There is a chasm between you and I, Charles, a gap that cannot be crossed. With each passing day, I fear it never will be. Magneto. Yes. Oh, yeah. Get excited. It's a Magneto entry. It's Magneto time. Yeah. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin. Today we are talking about Powers of Ten, number two. Number two. Number two. Now, Powers of Ten, number one, was uh, a bit of a heavy mind exercise. A brain explosion, if you will. Yeah, I would. I will. <laughs> I, I, I certainly will. So before we get started, do you want to look at the original cover, right? Yes, original cover first, please. So here's that, kind of a montage of sorts, similar oh. to Powers of Ten, number one. But now with some kind of connection between who all these people are. Yeah, we got Magneto, Mystique, Toad, Sabretooth, and good old Emma Frost. The White Queen. I like how her and Sabretooth both have these little like puffy fur collars going on. Yeah. It's very regal. Oh, yeah. Into it. All right, let me see those variant covers. How many we got? Well, we only have this. Now we're in the area where I was just buying the one issue for myself. Um, The reason why I have multiple copies of the other issues at the start were because I got variants in different giveaways or promotional things. But this is a connecting variant to House of X number two. So the female-centric issue that we had looked at previously yes here's the other side to that oh ho 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 so the one we looked at the other day oh mystique is on both they're all on both oh they're all on both and you'll see a different version or a different era of each character mirroring on the other side oh that's cool into it storm with that mohawk amazing you know me i love those badass women x-men's got a ton of them exciting all right shall we dive in we shall page turn (laughs) we start out with that quote that opening quote from magneto that's the Magneto I know and love. And actually, this will prime us for something that I want to point out later on. But if you look at the bottom of this opening quote page, where it says Magneto Omega, and this is something that's very Hickman, where there may have been things that we've missed in little clues in the bottom corners of certain data pages. That's, well, we're going to have to go back. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't like to miss anything. Tell me all the clues, please, and thank you. But this this is the Magneto-Charles relationship that I know and love. This is, Charles, listen, we understand each other, but we're not quite the same. Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited to see where this is going to go. And we have a really beautiful opening page Working with that same idea of bringing you in visually, bringing you into a sense of place. Here we are 
Island M in the Bermuda Triangle. This is year one, so X to the zero. Okay. Here we go. Right off the bat, let me wrap my brain around this. Mm -hmm. So year one is 10 years before House of X. Yes. Oh, my God. I did it. Yes. Okay. Yes, you did. Year one. Year year one is 10 years before. X to the zero is year one. Okay. And then X to the one. Is year 10. Is year 10, which is the timeline or the the point in time where the House of House of X is. Yes. Okay. So right now. For the most part, because last issue of House of X was technically in year one. Okay. Because Moira was revealing all of her lives to Charles. Right. So what we're seeing here is Moira after, and Charles. After having revealed all of her lives to Charles. On their way to tell. To talk to Magneto. Magneto. What's up? And yeah. this is the castle type place that we saw. Yeah. Where I was commenting about the octopus throne. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. yeah. All right. Great. Magneto is very regal. There's a whole lot of... As he should be. There's a lot of regality going on throughout the first few pages of this issue. Excellent. Okay. And, now that I have my head on straight, let's keep going. And Magneto is basically like, what are you doing here, Charles? <laughs> uh, people get lost in the Bermuda Triangle all the time, but you are beyond the superstitions of man. And though lost, I know you have never lost your way. What, what are you doing here? What, what are you here for? How'd you get here? How'd you get here? I am here for you, old friend. Old friend. Magneto skeptical. You know, I wish that were true. I've learned hard lessons and no longer believe there is a place in this world for both your dreams and mine, old friend. And I love this just repartee back and forth. Old friend, old friend. Like, it's almost a dig. Yeah. But also, Charles meant it genuinely. Magneto saying hey well um magneto is saying we're air quotes friends yes hello old friend old acquaintance old person who is always a thorn in my side what do you want now and so charles is saying what if we're both wrong what if our dreams are both wrong that both of our dreams are fleeting and too small for the coming days. I love the artwork on the bottom of this page. The two um, panels or images of Magneto where you can't see his face at all. Yeah. He's just deep in his helmet. Shrouded in and darkness. And it's so mysterious and you don't know how he's reacting to what Charles is saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he, in the, Ominous. Way, the way that he's speaking with such gravitas, so like not willing to give an inch of belief into what Charles is saying at this point. And so he asks Moira McTaggart, you're a specialist specializing in the behavior of mutants. What ails the good professor this day? And she reveals to both of them, I may be the only person on this planet who truly understands what ails you both. But I have to warn you, my truth is profound and life-changing. It's primal, and I wonder if you are capable of bearing the weight of it. Oh, Magneto is capable of bearing the weight of anything. And and so her final question to him, in this world, who determines what is truly good and what is truly evil? Uh, it's, let's turn to, I love his response. 
I do. I decide. It's me. I'm in <laughs> me. charge. I am Magneto. Uh, yes. Okay. So she's laying down the story. Magneto's like, listen, you don't, you don't tell me. I tell you. I'm Magneto. And then Charles tries to appeal to him. Open your mind to me. Open it to us. And together we will figure out what to do about tomorrow. So what had just happened previously with Charles reading Moira's mind, now they're appealing to Magneto, hey, we need to talk about what I've just learned. And it's such a nice image here that you still see him in his helmet so pulled back that you really don't see much of his face. In the one where he says, I do, I decide, you start to see a little bit of his face. But even in all the other images, he's still so far pulled back. He's in the shadows. And then when Charles is saying, please trust me, he takes off his helmet. He comes into the light. And he's, yeah, he's exposing himself. He's like, okay, let me have it. Get in my mind, Charles. Tell me what's up. And even he, how do I know this isn't a game, some ploy to defeat me? How do I know you're not going to temper with my my mind? Please, just this once, trust me. Oh, that next image. Oh yeah, this him huddled over with all of all are these. These are the images that are now being projected into his mind. This is the profound truth that Moira is telling him. Hey, is that Nick Fury? Yes. That's cool. Sentinels. Chains, monsters, you're a mutant? Oh. All those lives, were they real? As real as it gets. And he's just, he's. imagine seeing all this. Imagine being Magneto hellbent on the destruction of humans, the preservation of mutantdom, and to be revealed that every time you fail, all Infuriating. these, and no matter what you do, what you try, these great failures, all the great fails. And Charles says, apart, we always lose. We believe it's only together that you and I, that all our people can survive. Yeah, it's insane. It's like, it's Magneto. He has this understanding or this theory that Charles is continuously getting in his way of things going the way he wants them to go. Mm -hmm. And so his understanding is, well, if well, from my perspective, his understanding is if you if you go easy on the humans, they're just going to destroy you. And now he's seeing even if you don't go easy on the humans, right. they're still going to destroy you. Something still happens. And it it has to fuel his fire insanely. This man's entire purpose is to reclaim a sense of peace or a sense of prosperity for mutants. Yeah, for mutants. Like the mutant community needs to have their own way, needs to be respected. The humans need to understand that mutants are above them and mutants will exist no matter what they do. And yet now he's seeing this and seeing, oh man, well, no matter what we do, they still come for us. They still take us down. And kind of off of what you just said, Magneto on the next page, I'm, I'm not interested in survival. You know, Charles tries to appeal to him of, you know, it's only together that we can survive. I don't want to just survive. And so they start to talk about how 
what they're working on is more than just surviving, but thriving and assuming our rightful place on this earth. We have a plan. It's ambitious and long-term. Join us, Eric. Join me. Join you. And I, I, yeah. It's like, I don't want to join you. I'm in charge. That, and then you see them shake hands. So that's, that, that feels huge to me. Yeah. Never in my understanding, Magneto is always his own entity and Charles is his own entity and they have like a similar, they have a similar mindset or a similar goal, but. The preservation of mutants. Right, but they always come about it in a different way. Right. Charles wants to integrate with humans. Charles wants to have them both coexist where Magneto doesn't see that as an option. Magneto sees that the only way for mutants to survive is by the humans dying. And I just, I love Magneto's reluctance in agreeing to this. I won't give you an inch. I will check you at every moment of weakness. And if you falter, know that I will not. Because that's so Magneto. I I just and then this, that's why I love Magneto so much. He's so committed to his beliefs. He knows what he wants, and he's not going to let someone push him around. So even though he's agreeing to work with Charles, to trust Charles, to join Charles, he's saying, "I'm going to join you, but I'm not going to blindly follow you." Mm-hmm. And that's amazing. All right. We got our title page. Powers of 10, issue two. We are together now, you and I. And a couple of things that I want to point out on this page, and I do believe at this point we might have had an incomplete cipher of Krakoan. So we might have had some indication as to what these markings were. I can tell you in this giant circle, that says powers of. Ooh. And we have now the full cipher. The full cipher. Sure. So we could translate anything our little hearts desire. Right. And then at the top, that says two. Like T-W-O. Yes. And you can kind of see some similarities between certain letters. Yes. The W and the O especially. Mm-hmm. And if you look in the bottom right corner, the world of Moira and the man named Magneto. The world of Moira. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And she's opening up her world, the world that she's been living throughout these lives. And just to give a quick credit, this issue is written by Jonathan Hickman, art by R.B. Silva, inks by R.B. Silva, and Adriano de Bendetto, colors by Marte Gracia, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, and design by Tom Muller and our editorial team as well. Let's get into it. Yes. Oh, hello, Cyclops. Hello, Cyclops, indeed. Okay, so we're in year 10 now. Yep, we are in year 10. It looks like we're in Krakoa. Cyclops is asking, what am I looking at? These plans in front of them. These are plans for a mother mold. So we talked about master mold last time. Yes, what's the difference between a master mold and a mother mold? So... These are plans for a mother mold, a master mold that makes other master molds. So a master mold makes sentinels. And a mother mold makes master molds. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. These are plans 
And Cyclops asks, referring to something that's scheduled to be built or for something that already exists? Charles reveals it's been completed. Oh, snap. So these plans, we have these plans, but this is already in, in effect. We can't stop it from happening. It Hold has, on. It hasn't come online yet, though. Okay. So that's good to know. However, I'm just making a connection visually looking at this, this little thing. I don't know what you want to call it. This thing that looks like roots and yep. vines and all of that jazz that Charles is standing in front of. That's what he was standing in front of when Mystique brought the drive. So this is what Mystique yes. got. These she plans, got these plans. These plans of a mother mold in space is what the team had been trying to recover. Orcus. And we actually, in the next well, uh, the next couple panels, we get some reminder as to who Orcus is. So interesting. Orcus's little logo over there looks so zen. Mm. Look at us. We're Orcus. Well, we're zen. The, it's the combination of humanity understanding that separate, they'll never be able to compete against the mutants oh well i guess that is very zen we should come as one except the whole destruction of other creatures is not super zen zen light (laughs) all right so they're are they now sharing this information with scott yes kind of getting him in the loop to see and they what's up they mention these are the plans that mystique had stolen who are these little hologram people what's this about that's them showing the various factions of orcus so that's you can see AIM is the beehive, the beekeeper het guy. Gotcha. Hydra being the one on the right. Oh, Hydra. I know you will. So what's the plan? Charles says it, it's really quite simple, really. We cannot let the mother mold come online. All right. So their goal is to, this thing is already built, but they need to stop it from activating essentially so that It can't create a bunch of master molds who then can create a bunch of sentinels who then will destroy us. Yeah. That's a very thin window that they have to work with. Right. And I think it's it's interesting that Cyclops tries to make this little joke about why they need to do this. Because weather is always a sketchy proposition. You never know when it's going to start raining sentinels. Oh, God. I feel like that's a little bit out of Scott's character for him to be joking about what seems to be a very big reveal to him you're very serious cyclops get back in your box seriously (laughs) but xavier and magneto talk about this urgency comes from projecting where their stratagem leads we think the scale and resources imply a paradigm shift in their technology this is what leads to nimrod coming online i love that panel at the bottom where cyclops is looking at the image of nimrod and he goes oh damn yeah oh damn indeed cyclops listen to me scott they have to be stopped can such a thing even be done does it need doing yes then it will be done well why would you ask does it need doing if it didn't need doing scott why would we be talking about it well why would magneto ask if it can be done right well okay can it be done? Well, does it need to be done? If it needs to be done, then I'm going to get it done. All right. Then it will be done, he says at the bottom. But it will be done. Okay, Scott. Let's get it done. 
oh, but now we're in year 100. Mm-hmm. This jumping, I'm finally feeling like I'm starting to get a handle on it. Yeah. But I still think it's going to, I have to say it every time. Okay, this is where we are now. Yeah. I think the inherent build of a Powers of Ten issue showing you a little bit more information on each of these timelines. So we've we visited year one. We visited year 10. Now we're visiting year 100 to see a little bit further onto that storyline. Okay, so year 100, this left off with let's go find the old man or let's go see the old man. Yeah. Okay, so now hopefully my little heart wants to know who the old man is. Yeah. And they made it back, but Percival, who was the gold one that died. Yes. And Silabel didn't make it. Without Percival's blackout abilities, we can't really get back. So what's the point? And the voice off screen says, forgive him. War has a way of narrowing perspective. That's apocalypse. Yeah. And And there's another drive. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. The parallel to Mystique's House of X heist sneaking in for something, lost a comrade who was captured, and a transfer of what looks like another drive. Right. Yeah, totally. But is Apocalypse the old man? Apocalypse is the old man. They're working with Apocalypse? In the year 100, they're working with Apocalypse to try and take down what That's they're trying interesting. to take down. That's interesting. Apocalypse is okay with this. <laughs> well, Apocalypse is interested in the survival of mutants. Apocalypse is interested in the preservation of the strongest. Yeah, but only 12. No. I mean, the, <laughs> the 12 was a attempt to find who the strongest were. And so it's under... it's likely understood that he knows also what um he knows also what the others found out about Moira's lives so he knows his attempt didn't go so well to do it the way he originally intended I All mean right. there's definitely a change in how he's approaching this the fact that he's working with X-Men even even just Wolverine the fact that he's working with this team of mutants to try and stop the man-machine supremacy. Still, like, where are Charles and Magneto? And Apocalypse has this little soliloquy of machines being able to be distilled into information, a repository of knowledge. Give me your eyes, children. For this, I would have sacrificed all of you. It means that much. Okay, well, there's the apocalypse we know. Yeah. Yeah, he's saying, you know, war, who he refers to Wolverine as war, which is kind of interesting. Mm. Well, he's lived through so many wars. But also war as a name, as a title, connects to one of Apocalypse's horsemen. What? Yeah. Wolverine, how could you? Because it's for the survival of mutants. All right. It, and I feel like that is a key point to understand. When your species is facing decimation, you do things that are slightly out of character or your right. character you'll, evolves into... You'll work with people you may not have worked with before. You'll embrace ideologies that are a little bit more extreme than what you might have otherwise. All right. So basically, they come back. They give the old man, who is Apocalypse, this drive, which... Do we know what's on the drive? Not or yet. Okay, so we don't know what's on the drive. And then 
But Apocalypse is so excited about getting this drive. He's like, I need this drive and I would have sacrificed you all to get it. Yeah. And and Wolverine's point of we don't have Percival, so we can't get back. So there's back a there's where? another back to where they just got this drive. So okay. there's another part to this mission. And we're going to Nimrod. There he is. They stole an indexing machine. This is disturbing, I will not lie. And he goes into this little bit about his ability to lie. I am not programmed for truth. I could lie all day if I wanted to, just for the pleasure of it. But here I am denying myself the joy of a half-truth, the bliss of fiction, and the pure delight of falsehood. And why? I'll tell you. And this human, no, really, I'd rather you keep talking to yourself. Which... Ooh, don't be sarcastic. Angers Nimrod. Nimrod. It's been a costly day and I'm tired. Are you other human friend? Other also human friend. weary? You do not have a name. You are other human friend. Of course not, Nimrod. I don't believe you. This this panel of just Nimrod's fury disintegrating <laughs> these humans. That's and then, awesome. And then just the poetry as he continues his soliloquy to this skull of how, a human he just destroyed. How very Shakespearean of him. Exactly. Let me speak to your skull because that's really all I wanted to do. Right. I just I, wanted to get my feelings out and I wanted you to listen. I'm and just, now that you're bones, I'm I can just do processing that. this information out loud. This wasn't for you, this was for me. They came here in secret looking for something and it seems they found it. But he doesn't know what it was that they stole and he doesn't know why. Well, I thought he said they stole an indexing machine. So he knows that they stole the machine. Right. But he doesn't know what was on it. Yeah. Okay. He doesn't, and he doesn't know what the purpose of this theft was. I see you mutants. I know your ways. Whatever were you looking for? He doesn't know their intent. He's like, what are right. you going to do with this information? How does this help you? And so we cut back to Asteroid K, this team, and their okay. discussions. So Asteroid K is one of the Shira nations? Shi'ar, but Shi'ar. no. Dang it. She, it Asteroid K is... Outside of Shi'ar. But so, there's eight people on that asteroid. Yes, eight mutants on Asteroid K. It is one of the three sources of surviving mutants. The first two being associated with Shi'ar space. One day I'll, I'll get it. Yeah. Shi'ar, Shi'ar, Shi'ar. And they're talking about the reasons why they stole an index. The fact that machine intelligence being so vast and unsearchable, even if you knew the day something happened that you wanted to find out, it would still have countless results. So if I knew I wanted to find out what happened on this particular day, a machine result would come back with the millions, billions of things that happened that day, regardless of what it was. So like a butterfly effect, like the mm. multiple possibilities or... No, less so a butterfly effect, more so how machines categorize information not being able to find a specific piece of information. Even if you knew on this day, this is when something happened. These are all, all the things, things that happened, that happened on, on that day. day. Like all throughout the universe, the right. things that happened on this day. All throughout where machines had access to categorize activity. So you're, it's more of a needle in a haystack situation. And I think they actually, the, the metaphor they use is a, a grain of sand in a desert or... <laughs> Oh. But yes, a but needle and a haystack. the same thing. Basically. Okay. And so... So wait, who is this... Um... We'll find out. This, okay. the, the tree-looking guy? 
it's like a tree and like King Triton together in one with an eyeball. Yes. Floating eyeball. All right. So we'll find out. And so. And then also there's this, this Hades looking skull. That's Zorn. Okay. Zorn. What up, Zorn? Yeah, this feels very, this panel with the two of them in it feels very Zeus and Hades to mm. me. Interesting. Um, Rasputin starts to talk about the fact that we stole from the place where all the machine information gets indexed. So we stole the ability to decipher all that information. That was our first strike. Rather than trying to find this needle in a haystack, let's find a needle-finding machine. <laughs> the key. The, the cipher, essentially. Mm-hmm. Okay. Krakoa needs to decrypt it. So this tree-looking guy is Krakoa. That's Krakoa. I mean, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And he references, and I think this is interesting, and they don't really talk about it a little bit further, but this body once belonged to a mutant who could communicate with anything. I maintain all that he was, though he has long left this existence. So I'm pretty sure he's talking about Doug Ramsey, who is Cypher, who we saw in that first issue of House of X with Sage in the computer systems. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. And Cypher is a Cypher. Basically, yep. Boom. And then Zorn just being Zorn, uh, which is, he's kind of nihilistic. Give me a little... Like a little background on Zorn. He has a black hole for a brain. (laughs) Traditionally, pre this series, bad guy, good guy. Ambiguous. Uh, There was a period of time when he was initially written, he was intended to always be Magneto in disguise. And he had joined with the X-Men. And it was revealed that he was Magneto, but then Marvel Editorial wanted him to be more. So it was kind of a retcon situation. So there have been two mutants that exist as Zorn. I believe this is just Zorn without any connection to Magneto. Okay. And when you say he has a black hole for a brain, Mm -hmm. does that mean things get lost inside his brain or? It means that he has an amazing amount of celestial he he has an amazing amount of cosmic energy in his head all right okay Rasputin even says that's fantastically depressing Zorn the perfect teammate for the end times thank you friend (laughs) Krakoa unlocks exciting the index and Wolverine's just mad a little mumbly nonsense in the word and the world just opens up. I should have been born with brains. Oh, Wolverine, your angst is so fantastic. And we have this Magneto-looking character. I, I say that, and I said that the last time because it's not Magneto. And I know it's not Magneto because I've read this full issue. How dare you? Spoiler alert. We're if- going to find out in a page or two who okay. this is. All right, all right, all right. I wouldn't have told you that otherwise. <laughs> And but we see where's on the, Magneto? We see on the screen. I, so I don't want to say that. Yeah, uh, don't tell me. We see on the screen Genesis Protocols versions Nimrod. So they're trying to find information on Nimrod. And Wolverine's still reiterating the point. The problem with this, we're not going to be able to do anything with it. There's not going to be anybody left to use this information. We only succeeded in getting this far because Percival made us invisible to the machines. And now we won't have that. Okay, so 
in year 10, they're saying we need to stop the activation of Nimrod. And now we're in year 100 and clearly they did not do that. Mm -hmm. And so now they're trying to understand when Nimrod, when he, when he was activated. Right. Okay. Wolverine's mad. It's a suicide mission. Zorn has never been more excited for anything in his entire life. Zorn. I think I like Zorn. Yeah, he's great. We have to fight our way in and fight our way out. It's a suicide mission. Yeah, Apocalypse is probably fine with that. He's like, go ahead, kill yourselves. I need your I need you to get this done for me. Well, and so he's just realizing and, and living in the fact that mutants are always needing to be tested to see if we're fit to survive. We will go and take what we need and then we will return. For this is a promise for I will lead you. Apocalypse is going into battle with these. Oh, snap. He's he's coming this time. Oh, data page. This is a big data page. The main idea behind it is the creation of a Nimbus, a thinking planet. And so this thinking planet, and this actually, without telling us, has now moved to year 1000. So a Nimbus is a thinking planet. This Nimbus achieved world mind status 10 years after impact. World mind being a thinking planet, a thinking intelligence, a collection of... Which is different than the Forge. Correct. The Forge isn't, doesn't think for itself. It's just a place where the people all go to think together. The Forge is just a device that is, is a space station where all of these human scientists are gathering to do... To- so Nimbus is sort of like Krakoa? Mm, um, I don't know that I would say that. A Nimbus is a, a world mind. It's it, it's a structure that houses intelligence. And we find out why in the next couple pages. Okay. Why this has been built and what the purpose of it is. And this is built by Orcus? Or no, we don't know? We don't know. Okay. And we have the oh, librarian look. and Nimrod the Greater. Nimrod the tiny little flying robot. Yes, Nimrod the flying robot. So, Nimrod, did it work? We have the librarian and Nimrod. And we find that this society is trying to evolve itself to attract a more advanced alien society. So this is a reveal because the last time we saw the librarian and Nimrod, they were alone. Mm -hmm. And now we're seeing that they are, in fact, part of a larger society. Yes. They're part of a, a civilization that we'll find a little bit more of in next issue. After hundreds of years of ugly skirmishes and quiet wars, we decided to convert Nimbus into a replicant world mind and show the universe what we are capable of. Dun, dun, dun. I think we're about to find out if it worked. And we have this giant mass coming to the building that they're all standing at. It's so amoeba slash fetus looking. Yeah. Whoa. And it, and it forms into a being that the librarian and the other of his species can communicate with. Well, it's from the this series of panels, it looks like it separates into three beings. Yes. We, Phalanx, ate your world mind. We ate it. Okay, we, that we, didn't go as planned. It we seems. ate your intelligence. Yikes. 
It fought for sovereignty and lost, but we saw the whispering gods behind it. We heard your message. Now hear ours. What do you seek? What do you want? And this older person says, we want ascension. We want to become a part of the phalanx. And the phalanx is an alien species that usually consumes matter, organic, inorganic matter, and brings it into its consciousness. Is it like a hive mind? Yes. Okay. So it's one being or one entity. One network of That just basically takes over. Yes. And so if they ascend into this, do they lose themselves? They lose their individuality and they become part of the phalanx. Why would they want that? Desperate times. (laughs) Desperate times all around. And so it looks from this bottom panel that this is the phalanx, this black hovering over. So it looks as though it's about to consume this world. Mm -hmm. It's a hive mind that consumes, but they don't want to be consumed. They want to be brought into the intelligence of the phalanx. They want to be a part of. They want to be a contributing factor. Yeah, we've collected all this information. We've got this world mind. We've got this higher society. We want to be brought into the phalanx as a whole. And these next couple of data pages talk about the different types of societies, where a world mind fits into the phalanx and a machine is categorized into this hierarchy of a hive, a larger intelligence, a technarch, which is a collective intelligence, a world mind being a celestial object converted into a singular intelligence and then a phalanx which is an interstellar society that operates on a galactic scale and represents an intellect that has total control over a host galaxy my goodness that's a brain explosion yeah um the only thing that i just by briefly perusing through these pages as you're explaining them the thing that jumps out at me as something that i recognize is the Cree supreme intelligence. Mm-hmm. So that's one step towards what the phalanx is. So that's one level of intelligence that is much smaller than the size of what the phalanx is. So the Cree supreme intelligence was the world that the Cree lived on mm-hmm. and had a collective intelligence similar to the world mind that was is this nimbus. Okay. I feel like if I'm being completely honest, I don't fully understand this. I'm not going to lie and say, I got it. Yes. Yeah. But I feel that I have a general enough understanding that as the story continues, I'll be able to make connections. And I feel like with with year 1000 and year 100, there's a lot of that feeling Mm-hmm. in the first few issues of Powers of Ten that we just don't know enough about what's going on. Right. And we got to blind faith push through. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get the information we need to understand why they're doing this and understand what it is they're actually doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the last couple of pages are just some visual descriptors of these different 
types of societies. Kind of feels like science in different atoms or something. Mm. They have different numbers of protons and neutrons or different numbers of data points or different numbers of intelligent somethings. I don't know. This yeah. is my brain trying to make sense of it's a lot. Let me relate it to something. It's science. And we have our final quote from Professor X. You must see by now. There is no you and I. There is only us. We are together or we are nothing. However, we is mutants, not all humankind. Right. And that's a shift in how Xavier approaches what it is he's trying to do. Right. We could potentially be his conversation with Magneto. We are together now. We need to be working together. Right. Which is interesting because that sentiment, we, mutant kind, need to work together for our survival is essentially Magneto's sentiment always. Right. That they are different than the humans and that they need to band together to ensure their survival. Yeah. Just the one caveat of Xavier doesn't want to murder everyone. Right. But Xavier always refers to we as the human race. Right. And Magneto always refers to we as... Homo superior. Mutants. Mutants. So this shift is a big, a big shift. Wowzers. Our, our reading order at the end and some Krakoan afterwards. Overall thoughts. Overall thoughts. Well, I understood I could follow this issue better than the last one, the last Powers of Ten, which makes me feel better about the progression of this going forward. And does it potentially answer some questions that came from the first issue of Powers of Ten? Yes, it definitely answers some questions, but then it poses new questions about the idea of the villain or the thing that the mutants are fighting, that the team is fighting, was Nimrod and potentially the librarian and Orcus and this entity that was aiming to wipe them out, wipe the mutants out. Mm -hmm. But now there's this other being. And also when we're getting further into the future, we're seeing less and less of Orcus. Mm -hmm. And so to me, I'm wondering, okay, do, does Nimrod take over? Does Orcus still get wiped out? Are these other beings still superior to humans? Did humans essentially screw themselves by attempting to create these things that could take over or destroy mutants? But if it can destroy mutants, it can 100% destroy humans. And that's something that comes up in an issue or two about in the Days of Future Past timeline, Sentinels started to kill humans as well. Because they oh, understood right. yes. where mutants came from. And right. To, and so they were like, well, you have the genes to create future humans. I mean, you have the genes to create future mutants. So you must be eliminated. As well. Yeah. So that's that's a good point. Maybe that's part of. So that's that's my main takeaway is I'm not entirely sure who the villain is anymore. Or. Yeah what this unfolding of the plan to 
deactivate Nimrod, how does how does that play in? That's what I'm interested in. And this is a minor doesn't really matter, but like when does Magneto change his costume? <laughs> Why is it white now? And also who is this imposter? What do you mean? You said there was a person oh. who was Magne- was maybe Magneto, but wasn't Magneto, and that we would find out, and I never found out. We actually, we find it out in the next issue, which is, is the Powers of Ten issue. I just didn't want to, I had let it a little <laughs> ambiguous last time when you said it was Magneto, right. and I didn't want to tell you flat out, no, that's not Magneto, that's something else. Because I would cry? Because, well, that would also be a spoiler. Right. And I just wanted you to not... Focus on it. Focus on the fact that that's not Magneto because it's not Magneto. That is Wolverine. Okay. But that's not Magneto. Okay. Well, then tune in next time to find out just like me. Yeah. Or read the comic and then listen to my reaction. Yeah. Okay. What about you? Overall thoughts on this issue? I think it furthered a lot of the individual storylines and... I think we also started to see a lot more connections between those storylines. Yes. I loved the beginning. I loved Xavier and Magneto coming together. I loved the fact that we saw a little bit more about how this relationship came to be. Agreed. I like the dynamic shift between them and the fact that they took time to dive into that shift because it's so important because their relationship has so much history. Mm Mm-hmm that we need to have a deeper understanding of how they came to be on the same page. Yeah. And we got a lot more information about the threat of the mother mold and also the fight against Nimrod. Right. In both year 10 and year 100. Um, I had a lot of questions with the phalanx. I still have a lot of questions. You know, I think that yes. is big thinking um but overall I'm, I'm interested about all the added information that we get from this and i i feel similarly to what you had said i have new questions but some of my other questions have been at least somewhat answered excellent hey so where can everybody find us online if they want to know more about the podcast oh my gosh you can find us in so many places you can find us on instagram on facebook and on twitter all at the ex-wife podcast you can also find us at the ex-wife podcast.com and if you have questions or you want to talk about the issue you want to talk about the issue thoughts shoot us an email shoot us an email at the ex-wife podcast at gmail.com boom We are eventually going to be doing a live episode where we talk about our thoughts and feelings of the first 12 issues or these two series overall. Overall. So if there's something that you'd like to add to that conversation, shoot us an email. Follow us on social. Ask us something on one of those platforms. Get connected. Get involved. Until next time, old friend. Charles! Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. 